Happy summer, guys. Welcome back to the YPG podcast. This is Lawrence, founder and director of Young Producers Group. We bring music production and technology programs into schools, nonprofits, and studios across LA. And this summer, we're doing music production workshops for kids of all ages. I started this podcast so our students could learn from the producers, musicians, music tech people, and music industry folks that are shaping the world they will go into. But all are welcome to listen. Today we are joined by one of my favorite DJs, Silent Servant. He came by a YPG summer workshop and told us how he got from DJing backyard parties to being one of the lead voices in modern techno. I started off by asking him how he got started. I started DJing when I was 16. Um, it was mainly like house parties, super mixed. Like you had a DJ that DJed like old school and funk. You had a hip hop DJ. You had a DJ that played house and like techno. And we would just throw these backyard house parties basically. Um, I started going out to clubs when I was really young, way younger than I should have, but, but as it happens. Um, and at that time, like the scene in LA was different. Like there was a lot of still. I mean, it still exists in the same fashion. Like a lot of underground parties, a lot of warehouse parties, and that kind of thing. Um, and it was, you know, the the thing for me was like, it, like I said, it was mixed, you know. So we all like, you know, we would all kind of learn how to play like hip hop records, drum and bass records, house records, like. And it was a lot about mixing. Then DJing was about mixing. Like, we would roll up to parties and basically like, some dude would have a stack of records. You'd have your stack of records, and we would mess with each other, just like, all right, you play my records today. I'm gonna play your records today, just to figure out how to mix. And that's what it was about. Um, and and again, like growing up. You know, I was born in 1977, so I'm 39 now. I've been DJing, you know, it's almost 20 years, something like that. It's close. Um, and, you know, it's like, and, you know, fast forward now, it's like you guys have the opportunity, there's so much at your hands, you know? And a lot of it is just basically like figuring out what to do with all that material and information, you know, and how to distill it, make something new. Because there's, you know, there's so much stuff happening, like, you know, I mean, LA is such a right place for stuff because you, you know you have anything from like Flying Lotus to like you know stuff that I do. It's like it crosses a really huge span of music, and then you also have things like Skrillex and all that stuff. That that stuff's huge and it's relevant. You know, I don't necessarily like it, but it's stuff that is like you know it's relevant in the modern world. You know, so like I have to respect it, and and it is what it is. You know, so. Cool. So you know, as I was researching and, and preparing for this, I knew that when you were probably about their age, you know, 16, 17, you were listening to a lot of The Smiths, The Cure, right, My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, the thing about what we had, like, in L.A., which was, we still kind of have, it's not as good as it used to be, but, like, the radio was the jam. Like, we had, like, what is K-Rock right now was actually good for listening to new music. Um, and then also, like, but we also had Power Tools, like, um, which is on, like, Power 106. So there's a couple of DJs um, that were just sick DJs. And they, there wasn't CDJs then. There wasn't computers. It was basically like you had to play vinyl. Can you describe what Power Tools is? Pa yeah, Power Tools is basically like, so it was like, it was like a midnight. It was like, what time did it start? Like a midnight? Two. Two in the morning? Yeah, so that went like two in the morning till like till four. And basically like it was just an all night mix. Some dude on the radio playing records all night. So like, think about that. Like that doesn't really happen now, really, you know. No. So and the thing is, when you're playing on the radio, like you can't suck. Like you got to be able to mix, because <laughs> if you're train wrecking the whole time, like you know, it's like there's a difference. So like um, when I was about 19, that's when I. Um, so anyways, just to kind of speak to your question. So the like the, the the great thing about then was there was a lot of diversity basically. So you even think of like places like Detroit, 
lot of the Detroit techno, like the what are now like legends or whatever, which I have a big respect for, like Juan Atkins, Kevin Saunders, and Derek May. You know, these are all like they're all brothers from Detroit, and basically like. Their, their music base, and so also like Jeff Mills, he had this thing called The Wizard, and he would play anything from like Parliament Funkadelic to Kraftwerk. So you see that span, that's like, that's Germany, that's to the States, you know, like boom, and it covers a lot of ground. And the cool thing about that is that like, you know, they're also into New Wave, they're also into high energy, they're also into like disco, and then what mutated out of, what mutated out of that became Detroit Techno. So the cool thing about that is like, you apply that to what's happening now, same thing, like, you, you know, like, it's the beauty of why, like, Flying Lotus is so important. It's a beauty why, like, um, people like Actress are so important, because it's the mixture, the mixture of the music. And if there's anything that, I, like, that I will tell you that, to walk away from this is, like, don't be afraid to listen to new stuff, because, like, that's where you'll find inspiration, that's where you'll find new sounds that you have not heard, and it'll help you make new stuff. Because, like, you can't take, like, the same formula and make something new, because you're going to come out real close. So it's always important to, like, the more that you can pull from other things to make something new, the better off you'll be. And that, you know, that's everything, you know? Yeah. Um, awesome. So how did you learn how to do all of this, right? Because back then, right, you didn't have a YPG here to show you how to use all the synthesizers. Yeah, yeah. What was your journey towards saying, all right, I'm DJing, you know, playing in these backyard parties. What was your entry into production? Well, basically, so when I started going out to clubs and stuff, I was, you know, sneaking out of the house or whatever, um, staying out way too late. And uh, I just started going out, and I had this, like, I had, this is, I've told this story way too many times, but I'll tell it again. So I was running, like, this, uh, there's this band Stereo Lab that I used to like. I had the t-shirt on. One of the dudes that was working the door at one of the clubs was like, hey, nice t-shirt. And I'm like, all right, whatever, like, cool. I didn't care, you know? And when I rolled out, he was like, hey, man, he's like, uh, where do you live? I'm like, oh, I live actually, I grew up in Orange County. I grew up in Westminster. Um, and he was like, hey, I actually live in Costa Mesa, which isn't that far. He's like, if you want to help pass out flyers, come meet me up at the spot and help us promote. I'm like, all right, cool. So this dude is the guy that Tommy had to originally beat match and DJ. He's the one, the first guy that he had equipment laying around his house. Um, and um, basically from there, that dude moved up to San Francisco. And then by then I was like, you know, 19, 20. I was about 20. I started just driving up there once in a while to go visit him when he moved because we became friends. <clears throat> I met this guy, Josh Clayton. Um, and, like, he kind of was a dude that Tommy had to use, like, equipment. Like, he gave me the first intros on, like, software and, like, samplers and synths and stuff. And he made me read this, um, this like, Yamaha sound reinforcement book. Um, basically, the whole the part he made me read was, like, uh, on, on synthesizers, on subtractive synthesis, which is basically, like, yeah, oscillator, filter, amplifier. That basic premise, like, really, like, it's kind of weird, but most synthesizers work that way. So, like, that is, like, the basic thing of, like, getting a sound out of something. So it's kind of weird how, like, funny that's up there because I didn't see that. Um, but that's the jam. Like, you know, it's, it's good to learn basics, you know, and, like, it's rad that you guys are doing this because the quicker you learn that, the more you'll go through it, the better your stuff will be because, you know, it's all a learning process. And, like, as you make something, you learn from it, and the next thing you'll make will be better, you know. So, so Josh Clayton was, like, the original person that, like, kind of showed me how to, like, figure stuff out. I want to highlight one key thing here, and this is something with guest artists that I notice all the time. He was going out to an event that he wanted to be at, right? Something that he identified with, something that he found was important. Made a connection with someone at the door, right? They got to talking. 
goes up to San Francisco, meets another person, right? Putting yourself out there and having conversations. Not just being like, oh, like, you, you like my shirt? Whatever, dude. You know, and like being too cool, right? Actually being open to having conversations with people, no matter who they are, and saying like, yeah, I'll go to your house and you will, will you know, you'll teach me how to DJ, right? Being open to different people and making yourself available is, like yeah, we see I, here, it, step it, it, one. Yeah, and I would say like, I mean, I think the thing is too, like the times have changed a bit, how people interact. I mean, that's the one thing I've realized, like as I've gotten older, like a lot of the kids in Europe that I deal with are, I mean, how, what's, what, like how old are you? 16. Okay, how old are you? 15. Cool, how old are you? 18. Oh, you're, you're, uh, you're like, oh, go first. 18. And you? 15. Okay, so you guys are like right at the age when I started going out. And when I play in Europe, like some of these kids that are running clubs, like how old are you, man? You're 16 too. Okay. So like, think about it. So within four years, you guys will be like, you guys will be 20. So there's kids that I play for in Europe that are running clubs at your age. At 24, they're running venues. Like it's crazy. But the awesome thing is they've been present in music, you know? And the thing about what he's saying is like, a lot of it is like, whatever you're interested in, you got to go seek it. Like, you know, like there's a classic story. Um, what's it? Oh man, I forget his name. So do the, it's like, he's on planet E. There's a kid that put a de- Recluse? Yeah, Recluse. So he was super young. That kid put like a demo tape inside of a sandwich, gave it to Carl Craig. Carl Craig took it and found it in there. He was like laughing. But it, he ended up on Planet E. Like weird stuff like that that can happen, you know? So a lot of it is just like, <laughs> and, and it's happened, no, and it's happened to me. Like I've been at places like in Europe and randomly there'll be some kid from Italy that will happen to be in Berlin when I'm there and he'll flip me a CD. I might not get to it right away. But some of those demos, I've gotten them 12 inches on labels. And then not that that's not, that, not that changed their life or anything, but at least they've got, the, got their foot in the door. So the whole thing is just about like, you know, there's, an, there's like the art of subtlety, but there's also the art of being present. Like you guys gotta, mm. you know, if music is what you wanna do, you guys gotta be, wanna be involved. You know, like, you know, like in LA, there's so much different stuff, man. Like, you know, I work with a lot of younger kids that do like noise and music stuff. And like, um, it's great. Cause like they, they're they're making their own shows even though they might have like the, the like crappy PAs or whatever but they're still like all their friends show up and you know a space this size and they'll throw a party you know or just play their music and that's what they want to do and know? i think that authenticity really reads when you actually love something and you're paying homage to that love that means something to other people who feel the same way right so if like you said, if this is something you authentically love, this is something you're really about, being somewhere expressing that makes a very, very big difference. Yeah, and like you'd be surprised too. Like it's crazy. Like, so I have a whole another set of friends that like people that I know um, that work for Triangle Records, right? So Triangle kind of became like kind of like a like kind of a tastemaker label for a lot of big producers, like. Um, I know Kanye West got on with a lot of those dudes. So there's this kid named Avian Christ. So he started like producing a bunch of stuff for him. Contract got a little weird and they had to renegotiate a bunch of stuff, but like that stuff can happen, you know? And that's on fringe, you know? That's not like mainstream. Like that didn't come from like mainstream culture. Like that triangle is like outsider stuff considered. Like my friend Bobby that does this thing called Hacks and Cloaks on there. There's Mm. a bunch of kids that make rad stuff and it's outsider stuff. So the thing what you got to realize, like I was saying, <clears throat> um, a lot of like tastemaker stuff and, and, and again it all depends on where you want to be at and what you want to do like like if you want to be in the pop world like I don't know anything about that like necessarily but 
it's the same kind of thing. Like you got to make stuff, and then you also got to be present in that world to some extent, or something like that, you know. But at the same time, weird things can happen. Like, you know, um, because a lot of big producers are also looking for new stuff. So, and this is kind of what I was saying. Like, they're not going to be necessarily looking for like whatever is out there right now. If your demo sounds like what's out there right now, that's not what they're going to want because they want something new. So the idea is just to always keep making something interesting and pushing yourself. Going, okay, if this is here, then I need to go two steps forward. Or if not, just start off like, cool, I can make that's th what's there, but if I can make that better, that's gonna matter, you know? So it's just about pushing yourself at the end of the day, you know? And, and the thing is, really, like, if you guys live in LA, man, there's so much, there's so many different things to get into here. And like I said, I've been going out for, the, for more than half of my life at this point, <laughs> and it's the, I'm still surprised that there's so much stuff. And it's like, you just, gotta, you just gotta look for it, you know? And not be afraid to go check it out. And sometimes things are whack. Like, I'll go to stuff and there's 10 people there, but the music will be amazing. So it's not necessarily about the party, it's about what's happening, you know? If you wanna go to a party, there's tons of that too, but it's like, sometimes it's about the music and you just go to some DIY venue and check it out, you know? And sometimes you're like, whoa, what's this? I don't even know, you know what I mean? And that's the cool thing, you know? Um, so let's, let's take it, you were, you were saying your backyard parties DJing, right, getting, getting your chops up, being able to spin other people's records that you hadn't even heard, right? Talk about foot in the door too, getting people 12 inches. What was your foot in the door? What was like, as a DJ, how did you go from the backyard to actually being in a club? Um, basically these dudes that I met in San Francisco were throwing parties and that's where I first started playing for them through friends basically. So again, it was through my acquaintances that I'd made. <clears throat> so, I mean, and the thing is, at the same time, too, um, I guess, relevant to now, like, you know, sometimes, like, I've had the experience of, like, meeting people that I looked up to, and some of them weren't necessarily nice. Like, they were, they were, it was, like, they were just not cool. And, but some people are. So, like, the thing is, don't get discouraged, because you got to realize, like, people are people, man, and some people are super weird, <laughs> and that's always going to be like that. You know, it's not everyone's going to be open, not everyone's going to be chill, um, some people have weird social anxiety issues that manifest themselves as like weird arrogance and stuff like that and you just gotta roll with it. And if some dude doesn't wanna talk to you, cool. Talk to somebody else, you know? But don't get discouraged. Don't let that be a point of discouragement because that happened to me a bunch. I remember like when I was young at some point, I'm not gonna, I won't tell who it was, but I like sent a bunch of demos to some dude and like he's like, yeah, give me a call. We'll totally hook it up. I called him like three weeks later. He's like, oh, I don't even know who you were. Just hung up the phone, you know? Like that happens. And I had to say, okay, cool, not gonna talk to that guy. I'm gonna try somewhere else, you know? So, and, and, it, and the thing is like, it's not about being pushier, but just being persistent and be cool. Like, if you give someone a demo, let them chill on it. If they don't get back to you, don't take it personally, because you gotta understand a lot of these people like get a lot of stuff, it happens to me all the time. And like, they'll, people get eventually, will get to it if they can, you know? Um, but also, don't be afraid to hit them up on social media. Sometimes, you know, it's like, I want, you always got to be careful, like, it's not about over-promoting, but if you want to reach out, just you reach out. Just like, it's like throwing a line, you know? It's like, someone's going to bite on it, and maybe they'll, they'll give you some information you didn't have, or they'll give you some advice, or we'll listen to your demo and be like, hey, what's this about? Or, hey, I like your music, you know? And that's the beauty of having th like, things like SoundCloud and stuff, having your Instagram or, you know, whatever, like, that stuff all helps because you have some point of reference, you know? That way it's not all talk, you know? So if you, if you feel good about what you're making, you know, just put it up or whatever. I will say at that some points there's a, there's a point that I always tell artists like, don't put everything up once you finish it. Give it some time, make sure you listen to it, make sure you have other people listen to it so you feel comfortable, so you're not just throwing it like garbage up there, you know what I mean? But it is good to at least get feedback on stuff, you know? And this is, the fact that you guys have a class to do that is, is, is awesome. 
I've said this a million times that they are a more valuable resource to each other than yeah. anything I can do. Totally. Having having ears and you know friends to bounce things off of is really totally. really valuable. And also you know realizing that things like for example like it's like you know like things like Red Bull Music Academy actually work. You know like I know I think Flying Lotus is a graduate from there. Mm -hmm. So is um, I think Bobby Haxton Cloak was as well. Really? He went. I'm pretty sure. Not positive on that one, but like a ton of people. But Teebs, yeah, LA, yeah. So like, you know, so like that stuff works, you know. And what that what that tells you is that like, it's like communities and stuff all kind of find themselves. And you know, the more you stay connected to people, the better it'll be. Um, you know, a lot of what you know, because a lot of what this stuff is, it's like it's you know, you're working in a social system of people. So like you you have to you have to socialize within that and, and have find connections and you know whatever it is that you want to do. That's you know, that's kind of how it works. I think this is a really critical point. Right, this idea that at the end of the day, every record label you love, every festival festival you've been to that you love, any artist you love, these are all just people, right? This is a social world that, I mean, I think it's really easy, especially when you're young and you don't, you've never had contact with people like this, to make turn people into like deities, right? And turn things into unreachable, um, you know, impossible things, but these are just, People. Yeah, I mean that's what you got to realize. I mean that's the thing. Like, like I grew up, you know, my parents moved here when I was two, so like um, from Central America, from Guatemala. Um, so like I'm not even first generation. So like, you know, I worked as a janitor from like the age of twelve till I was eighteen, like taking out trash, cleaning bathrooms. Like that's what I did, you know. And like went to school and I played sports and skateboard. You know, that's pretty much in like was DJing at the time. So like, you know, m like what you got to realize is like. Yeah, like you were saying, like basically anyone that does anything, the the difference between you and a person that that made it is the fact that they tried. Really, that's it. You know, it's like it's that simple. Because like, and that's what I'm saying about persistence and presence. It's important. Like, if you really want to do something, that, that's like those are the defining factors. It's like you have to try. Because if you don't, they never know. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, don't be afraid to take internships. Like, you know, like go work. In, you know, go if you if you like a, a record label or if you like, um, you know, usually with record labels, the best place to start. It, you know, just be like, hey, do you guys need interns? Like, can I help you guys with your mail? Whatever. Because usually that stuff, you'll be around it. And once you're around the culture and you start seeing it, you start realizing, like, yo, that dude's just like me. There's no difference, you know? And then you go from there. And and I see it with, like, a bunch of people. Like, you know, you end up working at a record label, and then all of a sudden, like, your band, uh, you know, you, 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 like, you just have more connections at that point, you know? And once you have that access... It's a, you, then you start seeing the inside of it. it. Really, it's like it starts like breaking down the walls of what. Oh, dude, like that's so crazy. It's like it's actually not that crazy. It's like it's complicated, but it's not it's not inaccessible. Persistence and presence, seriously. And this is true not even just in music, in anything. The only way I've been able to do YPG at all is because I'm a persistent dude, emailing principals all the time. Right? Like, if you're not being persistent and you're not visible, you don't exist to that person. Right, um, so you mentioned having interactions with people and having them be not so kind as a challenge that you faced. I'm curious if you could share maybe any other challenges in the beginning that you faced as you were getting things going and how you were able to meet any of those things. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, like, I started doing this stuff when I was pretty young, so a lot of it, the problem I had is like people kind of didn't take me seriously because they're like, "Who's this kid? Like, we don't like. What do you want, kid? Get out of here," you know? So like, literally. That was like one of the hardest parts, but I just was always around. Like there was times literally like I sat outside a club till someone would get me, sneak me in. I can't tell you how many times I like sitting by dumpsters waiting for some fool to open the back door so I could walk in, you know, and like, 
go hide in the corner so I don't get kicked out, you know? I mean, not that you should do that, but I'm just saying that's what I had to do, you know? <laughs> uh, but that's what I'm saying is like, so a lot of it is like, you know, again, it's like, it's just about being present, you know, and persistent, you know? It's like, if you really want to do something, like, I mean, that's like classic story, I think. You look, I mean, you see, you watch docu, I mean, just like, and, and the thing is to look at it, like, for example, like, you know, you guys have, I mean, people have always had access to information. Like, we just had different types. Like, you know, um, we had, I had more record store access, you know, when I was younger because there was more record stores. There's less now. But you guys have the internet, man. Like, you guys have access to everything. It's like, so if you look deep enough, you will find it. And, and, and then, like, you know, it's like, um, it's just, it's, it's awesome that there's that much information. So just, again, it's like distilling that stuff. And that's what I'm seeing today now is, like, um, so many different kids, like, making different stuff. And you're like, dude, that's awesome. And like I'm not, I'm never not surprised. Like when people tell me that there's no good music, and I'm like, dude, you're crazy, because there's so much. And it's like, you know, and the thing is, it's like being, you know, you guys are young, you guys are living it, you know, you guys are gonna be living it for the next 10, 15, 20 years, you know. So for me, like it's awesome when I meet some kid that's like 24, and he gives me a record. I'm like, dude, that's sick. That's really good, or that's super amazing. And then seeing what happens five years later, because then that kid just had progress, and like just some support, you know, or his own or whatever. Like you see the progress that people have and like you start seeing like, damn, like that could be any one of you guys if you choose to do it, you know? So again, it's like not being afraid to take chances and just again, like handle your business, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it nothing's easy. Nothing's easy when you get to that end part. Like DJing full time, it's not easy. It's like, you gotta make flights, you can't sleep in. You, you, you don't, you're, you're basically like running ragged all the time, you know? But it's killer, you get to DJ all the time. But you have to be able to make it happen. You know, and it's the same, like, if you gotta wake up, go to school, you go to school. You guys are here, you know, it's like almost eight. You got, I'm sure you guys don't wanna be in a classroom, but you're here, you know? So that says a lot, you know what I'm saying? Like, you guys are making an effort past beyond what a lot of your friends might not be doing. And that's the thing, dude, that's like, uh, you know, for you guys, I'll say is like, you know, people clown like, oh, let's go out, let's do this, let's do that. But if you gotta finish something to do it, you gotta do it. That's, it's the only way it's gonna get done. No one else is gonna do it for you. I think this idea of things not being easy is really important. Um, in order to do anything at a high level, anything, you're going to have to deal with BS. You're gonna have to deal with long hours, missing parties, right? Sacrifice is important if you want to actually achieve excellence. Yeah. Cause the thing is, it was what I'll be honest, man. Like, like, I, I'm telling you, I'm 39. There will always be a party. There's always going to be a party to go to. So if you miss one, cause you got to finish some stuff, finish the stuff, cause you can go out the next weekend. Like it's that kind of thing, you know. Like it's always going to be like that. And so it's just the importance of like, you know, kind of sticking to what you want to do, if you want to make make something interesting, you know. And even even if it's just for the point of like self fulfillment, you know, a lot of like what I've done in my life, just cause it's it's been because I've really like needed to do it because it, it's like music's like therapy in a way totally. you know like I would feel super crazy if like I didn't wasn't able to make stuff or like work on art stuff so it's always been I always like I've done it in my spare time too when you know it's just fun something to do and then you know it helps you stay out of trouble too you know it's like so all that stuff is like it's all they're all positive factors you know what I mean so absolutely well you just mentioned um, music and some art stuff as well I know that visuals and design is a really big part of your work as well yeah um I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and how you sort of got started in that and what do you think that's done for both the music that you've made and, and the way you've been able to build a career as a musician. Yeah. I mean, I think the cool thing now is like, what I see a lot with like, you know, 
there's so many there's so many like um you have so many tools to make stuff you know whatever like you know so if you're going to make music i think the one thing that that's really important is to have a point of view you know have a point of reference of what you're doing and like pick some things that you like that are that it's something that you can have a direction you know um and visually whatever that is you know and it's like that's that's again that's where new media comes from it's like you know um like i have like I have my I know this one dude that does the visuals for like Arca and he he does stuff on mute and it's like when you look at the the mixture of like fashion art art like lights the music everything's super crazy and like sounds super weird but it's fresh but it's because they're 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 fusing a lot of elements you know and I think that's a cool thing now is like there's a lot of uh, possibilities of fusing um art f fashion music all together if that is something that you want to do but aside from that, I guess the most important thing is like whatever it is that you're doing. You know, it's it's good if it has a, a point of reference, a point of view, because that that will help it have like some something to people to kind of like latch onto. You know, so they understand it, or or they don't. It doesn't have to be understandable. It just has to be something. You know, it could be obtuse, whatever it is. But like, it just has to have a point of view. So, for sure, yeah. I mean, something I've talked about a lot is yeah having. The sound is one sense. Obviously, music is enough. Yeah. But if you can bring in visuals as well, then you're occupying two of a person. Yeah, because think think about it. Like think about how much you know the way media is right now. It's like so much of it. We're on our phones the whole time. So it's like, you know, it's like, it's why that's why it's like that now. So it's like, um, you know, there's like a killer book by this guy Marshall McLuhan. It's called The Message is the Medium, and it kind of talks about how things are now, and it, it is. It's about the mixture of cultures. Like, Wrote that in what the '60s, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So it's like it kind of. It kind of pre pre kind of uh, documents what became social media in a way, and like how we are now, you know. And and again, it's like, don't be afraid to mess with things that are maybe fringe, you know. I guess like that's one of the things I will say. It's like, you know, look for for new stuff, you know. And the thing is also too, like, you know, we're in LA. It's like major art capital. Like, there's so much stuff. Like, go to museums, check something out. Just go go just go check it out, you know? One thing I've found, too, just from working in school so much and, and having contact with so many different young people, is you guys, from not having years and years and years and years of actually doing the thing, ha coming in sort of new, you actually have a sort of freedom that when you really, like, dig yourself in ruts, you kind of lose, right? There's this thing that I see with someone just getting started, a sort of genius when they use Ableton for the first time, right? A lot of you guys have been using it for years already, but having a young, sort of unexposed mind can allow you to get to places that other people that are, you know, like in their traditions, in their set in their ways, have a lot harder time getting to. You know, your youth, your newness to this, is actually a huge advantage, even when sometimes you might run into limits on your skill sets and limits on your technical knowledge. Yeah, and that's one thing I was gonna say. Like, that's what's helped me. Like, you know, it's what you got to realize. Like, your youth is your asset. Like, that'll always be your asset. Uh, you know, <laughs> for at least for a while. Uh, <laughs> um, but you know, but but your youth and the 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 want to do things to like you know just having like the energy and like uh, the enthusiasm to to be part of something. You know, a lot of places, like, that's the one thing, like, um, you know, like, internships and stuff, or, like, I know so many kids that, like, have done internships, and it turns into something else, and turns into them getting a job or whatever. And that kind of goes for everything. I mean, any field is kind of like that. But especially music, if you, you have to actually get involved, you know? Um, and, you know, the fact that, like, 
you know, I mean, even as for like jobs, if you guys don't end up doing music, like if you end up working in fashion or like kind of anything at this point, like the fact that you guys, you know, will have some sometimes so much more information or just knowledge on like social media and stuff in, in relation to other things, like, like for example, like I've worked in advertising as, as an art director for the past 10 years of my life, 15, 15 years almost. And um, like just the fact that I knew, I, I knew, I mean, I work in logic because I'm, that's what I learned how to like work, make music in, and like editing audio and stuff. So I, I was working as an art director when we were doing an edit for a TV commercial. The the audio editor was like kept trying to make an edit of this thing and like they were taking too long. So I was like, dude, I'm just you do that. I'm gonna do the edit really fast. And I handed him the, the edited audio file. We we were able to finish the edit way faster just because like I I knew how to do it. You know, so it's like the more things that you know, like the more diverse your skill sets are, the more of an asset you'll be to other to like any industry, basically. Mm -hmm. And especially now that things are so technology driven, like just having this audio portion, like knowing about music, knowing how things should be edited, knowing how to how to edit on a beat, like all that stuff is relevant to like how a TV commercial gets edited, like all that stuff has relevance, you know. So like those kind of assets, when you when you have them and you can bring them to the table, it's killer because you know, you can save people's asses when like things are in a crunch and you can be like, dude, here, let me do that. Or, or if not, make a better version of what's not there. You know what I mean? And the other thing too is also like, you know, again, just be, having the will to do it. You know, so it's just like, you know, and you guys already know grip, you know, and like, that's good. <laughs> just yeah. keep going. You know? Seriously. So let's, let's fast forward a few years. Your first release was on um, Sandwell District, which was a label that you were a part of, right? Yeah, yeah. So like I had worked with another record label when I was younger. It's stuff I wasn't that into, but it was like the big learning process. Um, and then basically like through that that relationship, I'd met some dudes that worked at a distribution company. Some of these guys that, that ran it also had record labels that I admired, blah, blah, blah. Um, I kind of had to take a break from music for, for a minute in my early 20s, um, just to some legal trouble. And uh, based on that, like, I still stayed friends with the dude. And then he was like, hey, if you ever want to make music again, you should make it on this label. So anyways, what the label became, you know, it, it was a time when, like, it was the, the 2000s, the vinyl industry took a total nosedive. Um, they thought everything was going to move digital, so which everyone kind of pushed for. So, like, all most of the vinyl distributors and most of the pressing plants were ready to file bankruptcy. It, they Most of them did. Hmm. Um, a lot of the pressing plants still stayed in, kind of in business, but... Um, so once that happened, we started making records again. Techno was kind of like, kind of a thing, but not really, it was still pretty small. Um, but we started putting records out and there was this one club in Berlin um, called Berghain, which is like a big, it's like this 24 hour techno club that is pretty insane in Berlin. And they started, the resident DJ started playing our records there. And then um, my friends, two of my friends had, had were, were they already living in Berlin. They're a British guy and a guy from New York. And, um, Basically, they, they gave us a night to start DJing there. So they would fly me just to go play there on the weekends. I still had my day job. I just fly on the weekends to go play there. It was like super crazy. Um, and I felt really fortunate that happened. But so we became like, it was like the three of us. We kind of became a, a like, we, we started, well, we took on the record label that was already existing. I was in charge of all the visuals. My friend Dave uh, does this project called Function. He was in charge of being like the kind of like the connection to the outside world. Um, and Carl, my friend Carl O'Connor that does this project called Regis, he was a dude in charge. And we kind of just all worked together. We kind of established a little bit of hierarchy of like who, who did what, and we all just worked within what we were doing. So anyways, um, that kind of, uh, you know, we, we decided also to like kind of set a certain look 
that we basically, in a way, ripped off from like early '80s. So like in like early '80s, there was all this stuff like all this like post-punk happened stuff happened. After punk kind of took a nosedive, there was like a resurgence of like all this stuff that was more like post-punk that was basically like kind of mixture was like synthesizers, dub music, some punk stuff, some guitars, whatever. Like, but they also had a very like art house feel to it. So there's like you know we would look at all these like old record covers or flyers and all that stuff, and we kind of used that to like mishmash kind of what we were doing, and that was kind of a new thing for techno because it was so technology based and so rigid. So we had more of like this like hand cut feel to everything we were doing. It be it kind of got became like a little bit of a thing for for the techno scene. So anyways, it got pretty like popular. Techno got more popular. And now it is where it is. Like it's like, you know, it's like a business for a lot of people. Like that's why I can actually DJ for a living. It's because of this, you know. So, guys, it's hard to stress. Like Samuel District is really influential. Super super awesome. I really recommend when you guys get home tonight um, checking some stuff out. Yeah, but so I mean, regardless, I think that the, like the point is of everything what I'm saying is just like, you guys can have, you know, whatever it is that you want to do. Just like look at new things because that's exactly what we did. You just got to look at new stuff. To if you're gonna make something new, typically it's gonna have to come from pulling things that aren't that wouldn't necessarily go together. You know what I mean? And that's the beauty I think that we have now is like you can do that. You know what I mean? Looking at the formation of Samuel District again, this was him. Coordinating with people, using relationships to, get, to find other relationships, and like navigating it socially, right? So it's all stemming from that door, right? Comment on your shirt at the door. Yeah, <laughs> you can really kind of trace yeah. it all back to that. Yeah. yeah, but no, again, that's what I'm saying. I think that it's the importance of like just being present, you know? Check, check stuff out. Don't, I mean, that's like the thing. It's like the more you do that, the more you learn and just like get inspiration from things. You know, and I you know it's like it's hard because like, you know, we live in such an era of like, it's the things can be passe really quick, you know, and you kind of like, oh, whatever, that's like, that's whatever, old or whatever, you know, it's like, just, just be open to things, you know, that'll help you the most, I think, especially today, now, that's the thing that I've realized. Let's talk about Bergein, um, because I've, I've been a couple times, and it, it, I really do think it is um, a singularly amazing place. Yeah, I, it, yeah, it's cool, it's amazing, I mean, it's like, you know, um, <laughs> It's hard to explain it. It's like, it's an insane club. I mean, I DJ, I've been DJing there for the past seven years now, I think. Maybe five. I think it's six years, actually. Um, yeah, it's like, it's this insane place that runs 24 hours. There's always a line. Um, they, they monitor the door, so they kind of like monitor who's inside. So it's like a really like, in, like important safe space. Um, culturally. Um, so... But it's like, you know, it's like 1,200 people downstairs, 500, it's like 600 people upstairs, maybe? Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, like, they, they, do, they, they do rock shows there. They do all kinds of stuff there. Like, they do a lot of new media stuff as well. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's hard for us to, I mean, in the States, it's, it's hard because we don't have that kind of, that culture isn't really established here. Like, you know, we have, like, EDM festivals or... Um, you know, we have clubs that are close that close at two or three in the morning. You know, it's like a, the whole nightlife culture is completely different here. Um, there, it's been like that forever because, like, when the wall came down, they had all these like crazy, like, you know, um, abandoned, abandoned yeah. buildings, and then people would just do like crazy DIY stuff. And we have DIY stuff here, but it's a little different. You know, it's like it kind of operates on a different premise. Yeah, guys. I mean, it's in inside that club, it's really anything goes. Right? There's a there's a 
air of freedom and expression that I think is so, so valuable for a young mind to experience. Yeah, I mean, the thing is like, you know, it's like, for example, like, it, you know, you think of like in New York in the 80s, there was like the Paradise Garage, the Loft, um, all these clubs kind of had the same kind of mindset. It it's, doesn't, I mean, it's, it is weird because it like, it's such a thing there. It's hard to, I mean, culturally there's stuff like that here, but it's a little, it's, it's just hours. It's hours are a big difference for a lot of things. So like, I don't necessarily want to stress that like how important that club is personally, just because I play there and I know it is awesome. But for you guys, what I will say is just like, you know, it's about being open, you know, and like that openness to things. If there's anything to take away from the club, I think that's the most important thing that like, you know, we kind of need to operate on a very open level and be, and be open to things. If it's something's not your jam, it's cool. It doesn't mean that it's not bad. It does, I'm sorry, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just doesn't, it means that something you might not be into. So you just got to be open and free to it, you know, and like be like, cool, like that, that has its own space. People play really weird records. Yeah, I mean, it, it spans a lot, you know, it spans like a real big wide thing. So the cool thing about that is like, again, like, you know, just, you know, the, the takeaway from it is just about being open and like uh, open to new things, you know what I mean? Because like, again, that's what I'm saying about going checking stuff out here. It's like, th there is so much don't be afraid of something because it might be out of your realm, you know, because you'll probably, most chances are you'll learn something. And sometimes you don't, you know, it doesn't, you know, and nothing, you know it's like nothing's perfect, you know. Sometimes you see stuff, and you're like, all right, that was pointless, you know. Like I went to a show over the weekend and it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, you know, and it was just <laughs> like you go home, you're like, all right, cool, that was cool, but whatever. Other times, though, it can be very inspirational and you're like, damn, like I'm stoked that I saw that happen real time. I didn't see it on my phone or on, the, on my computer, you know, so... Um, well, so talking about that, you know, obviously we're not going to call that party out by name, but looking at the electronic music scene today, right, the thing that these guys are entering into, what do you, what do you wish was better about it? What do you think could, could make today's scene improved? Um, I mean, I think that LA has a little bit of a lack for like smaller venues that like mm. smaller venues with a good system that people will go to, you know? So that, that part I don't really know. I mean, there's still cool stuff all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, sound systems can be an issue when you're used to like a crazy sound system, but if you don't know any better, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but, you know, but that all might change by the time you guys are doing stuff. I mean, you know, by the time you guys are 19, dude, things could be totally different, you know? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like 20 or whatever. Um, things change really fast, you know? So again, it's a, like, I would just, yeah. I just keep doing stuff <laughs> for sure. So one thing that I've you know in in reading about um, your process and all that, one thing that a word that comes up a lot is atmosphere. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about your your work with atmosphere and and obviously it's more than just slapping a reverb on something, right? Yeah, so. yeah. A lot of times, I mean, especially when I make music, like I do a lot of weird stuff where like I'll you know run movies and just mic it, mic from the TV, or like I use a lot of like. Um, like a CB mic, like a, they, you can get them for like 14 bucks on Amazon. It's got a cord engine, but you can go into pedals and you can just mic stuff and it like run it through delays and reverbs. And it just adds a layer, like, you know, especially because when you're working in the computers, like there's a, like a rigidness that happens to, to when you're making music. Cause it's like, so it's computer music, you know? So the way I always try to loosen it up is by having some kind of human element, uh, element on top. And, um, you know, it could be, you know, running guitar amps with like, mics or you know you can use guitars whatever like which i've done in the past like just about creating some natural element and kind of uh 
displace what's the re the re the rigidity of what's happening. You know what I mean? So, and a lot of that comes from like watching a lot of movies. You know, if you like, it's just like um, if you listen to like how all the SF like all the SFX stuff on movies. You know, it's like that sound design is really amazing. You know, and yeah. so for me, it's like mixing the two elements of like sound design and dance music is a cool way to kind of make something interesting. And um, and also things like timing. You know, like it when with my like I. I'd use this one sequencer a lot. It's um, it's a dope for MAQ 163. It's just like a, it's like an analog sequencer, but I use it with the computer. Um, but I'm able to write different things in different timings. And like, so if I have like a four four beat, I'll make my sequence in like a three three five or a seven, because what happens is like you lose rigidity at that point. It becomes more like psychedelic in a way. You don't notice the repetition as much, basically. Um, but I want to show. Oh yeah 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 for sure. So if, you know. As I was reading through everything about you know your process, I think I thought it was really really interesting, talking about how the um, talking about how the sequencer opened up music to you in a way that was a little bit different, right? Yeah, so, totally. so this this right here is the um, this sequencer that he's talking about. I wonder if you could yeah yeah. So basically, it's just like. And there, there's like cheaper versions. Like right here, I brought up a picture of the dope for MAQ 16-3. I suggest you look up a picture of it, but it's three rows of 16 knobs that you turn. And the knobs' positions combine to make a sequence. It's a very cool thing. Dope for is spelled D-O-E-P-F-E-R, by the way. Okay, back to our conversation. So often, I see young people moves to almost tears of like being frustrated, not being able to make the stuff that you want. Maybe you're just trying the same thing over and over without looking to other options. And this is what you're saying, like yeah, be like, open to yeah, new see, things. And the thing is like, like, for example, like the cool thing about this is like when you use like sequencers like that, you can run it because it's sending MIDI notes, the triggers, you can like basically run samples through it. There's a lot of options. And again, that's where like new stuff can happen that like, because basically what that's doing is it's it's kind of removing the human element from it. It's basically just very it's very mathematic. Um, so like you can get very interesting things at that point as far as how a sequence works, and it's things that you normally like you know as humans we kind of work on a normal rhythm tempo you know. So this thing can help you make things that are off or different you know and, and make something interesting. Max for Live guys has a lot of really amazing sequencers. You can also make your own step sequencers using MIDI effects in, in live. We can take a look at that maybe on Thursday. Um, truly, I think it's, it's a really important idea of like being open to other ways of even thinking about what is a note, what is a melody, how do we string these things together? Um, yeah, and like also like limitations too. I mean, I know a lot of kids that basically they'll go back to using old samplers to kind of get the same effect. But what, what to to like when they make something. But what they'll do is they'll use very odd sources, and then that's when something new. Will, again, it's like pulling from something else to make something else. You know. But at the end of the day, we also there's an element of like we are making music. You know, so there is a there's somewhat of a. It's good to have somewhat of a structure, but when you look at the structure, like. That limitation is cool because you can say, okay, this is the structure. How can I deviate from it with, within it? You know, so it's like, if it's like, okay, everyone uses a certain kind of music to sample from. It's like, okay, well, don't use that music. Use another type of music and sample from that, and then see what happens. You know, and sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you don't. You know, it's, it just depends. Um, but it's it's about at least taking the chance to do it. 
this idea of limitations, right? When we're sitting in front of live, it's an ocean. It is infinite. I mean, really, like with sampling, having access to every sound that has ever been recorded ever, just like that, is really hard when you're just getting started, right? So this idea of limitations, I think is really, really important, like setting limitations inside that ocean, right? Saying, I'm gonna make a track that only uses four MIDI tracks, right? Cut yourself off there, and I guarantee you, you will find spaces and, uh, you know, musical ideas that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Yeah, and the thing is, like I work with like a lot of like younger producers, like some of my friends, they'll bring stuff over and um, they'll, they'll keep wanting to add things on top. And sometimes it's better to like, you know, strip it down to the essentials and, and focus on the individual sounds. So like EQ things to fill space, you know, and like just try to maximize those things so things start playing together nicely. I think it's really important like to, you know, what I, I think of audio space as like, you know, high frequencies, mid frequencies and low frequencies. So all those things have to play together, but it's like how to maximize them within that space. Um, that's one thing I always try to do. And just, you know, EQing things and like pushing sounds or it's important to do that to get the most out of it. Mm. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote you, which is kind of weird because you're sitting right here, but I was reading about him and he was saying that knowing your limitations and working within them is a really important thing. And this idea of like, you are going to have things that you are better at than others, right? Really digging in, spending the time to find what it is you're really good at and what it is you struggle with and knowing that and using that not as like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm limited in this way, taking those limitations as a creative impetus to do something with that and finding resources, both human and otherwise, to fill in the, the spots that you might not be as good at. Yeah, so think of it like, even from an art standpoint, like, for, like I can't draw to save my life, but um, I could use you know, collage or the computer to help me do what I need to do. Um, so like, is I, I have this close friend of mine, this guy Thomas Campbell. He's like a he's like a surfer dude that makes killer art and whatever. I was like his assistant for a while, and one thing he told me is like it, it was really funny. He's like he's like you know he's like me and you have a harder time doing stuff. He's like he's like we have to work harder to get to the end result. Like some dude that can draw really well, he's always going to be able to draw really well, but he might not be able to draw it differently. You know, and I, I've had art teachers tell me the same thing. Like some dude can draw this like you know, draw the chair exactly how the chair is drawn, but he's not gonna be able to draw it differently. So like, if you can draw differently and that's your strength, you do that. You might not get the A on the lifestyle or like the life drawing class that the chair looks how it looks, but you can draw it differently, cool. That's your strength if that's it, what it is and you apply that. So that's that same process to everything. Like, it's just about being utilitarian, like using what you have, you know, cause again, like, most good music has happened that way. Like, you know, you look at like, you know, even like hip hop, same thing. Like basic samplers, you know, people like Egyptian Lover, like, you know, Dr. Dre, any of those dudes, like they just had what they had and they did what they did with what they had. Same thing in Detroit and Chicago. All the old rolling equipment, 909, 303, all that stuff was like cheap stuff for a lot of it. So like the good thing is that, you know, within everything that you have, it's just about being utilitarian with what you have. Like, you don't have to have the best equipment to make the best stuff. You know, you don't have, it's like, that's never gonna matter, basically. So, like, with, with anything, like, it's just about using your resources and finding new resources, whatever they are, whatever is at your hand, you know? And that's what always, that's what always is, like, 
inspiring to me when I see kids that like, you know, like when you go to Europe, like man, a lot of these countries have really messed up economies. Like they're jack. You know, you go to Athens. Like I was just in Athens, and like, dude, their economy's m just Been. terrible. Yeah. But there's still kids doing stuff, and you go to their houses, and dude, it's you're like, all right, man, cool. Like they're just living day to day, but they're still pushing to do music, finding a point of inspiration and finding a purpose. You know, and like, that's really crazy because you're like, man, like. I come home and I'm like, dude, it's not like that here, you know, or other places in Europe. So, so again, it's just like, you know, if you look at those kind of situations and like places like that, and if they're making it happen, there's no reason why you guys can't, you know what I mean? And again, I don't know any of your situations, but like, whatever it is, like, you know, again, like, like I was saying, it's just about being, having the, the will to do something and like using your resources, you know, and like, and being and being smart with them, and that's kind of the, that's the, that's always the jam. Is like, you know, using what you can and what you have to do something. You know, it's it's always going to be important. At this point in the conversation, I turned the mic over to the kids, and they asked them some questions. Yeah, I, I was wondering. Like, it seems like a big part of your like rise has been like places, like scenes that stem from like locations, yeah. partially. And I was wondering if you thought that had the same relevance today, where with the internet almost being a place? It, it does still, because you know, it's like most of it, you still have to have a point of socialization. Like you still have to go hang out with your friends somewhere. So that's what matters. Yeah. Like what you guys do in a place, that's, that's what matters. Like for example, like my friend Jess, um, all these kids, they have this label called Ascetic House. And um, they're all from Arizona, Phoenix. Like what's out there, you know, exactly. And but, but dude, all these kids, like sick music. And it covers so much like ground, like from weird like guitar noise stuff to like drone stuff to like weird like beat stuff to like broken beat stuff to techno to house like and they're really, really big part of, of like kind of they're like at the forefront of what's happening right now. Some other kids in Denmark, they run this label called Posh Isolation. So all these kids like same same thing, like they're just some kids in Denmark that were just in, in Copenhagen doing something. So again, like that's kind of what I was saying, like the, the, the important factors like uh, that you guys have, it's like the more you can kind of come together and do something in a place and then because of the Internet to get it out to the world, that's where it can be interesting, you know, and I'm not saying and, and, it, and again, it doesn't always work and it doesn't always things don't always blow up and you don't always become the next big thing or anything like that. But a lot of it is just about being present and doing something. It, it's because it's, it's, it's you know, it's like you look back, it's what makes life like you look back at what you did. Like, well, that was rad, you know? And so I think location still is a factor, you know? So, and, and the thing is, you know, it's weird. Like, I get so many younger kids, oh man, I'm gonna move to Berlin, I'm gonna go check it out. It's like, they move there and you know what happens? Nothing, because there's already so many people there doing something. So if anything that I will say is like almost important, more important sometimes to be where you are and cultivate something there. And if, I mean, if it's not happening, go somewhere where you can, you know? Like as you get older, you graduate, you go to college, you know, whatever, like wherever you guys go, like try to, you know, be a part, if music is what you do, try to get involved wherever it is that you go because there probably will be a few people that, that like the things you like and then you start something, you know? It's like, I mean, it's like, I can't really say how many countless times, like scenes, bands, all that stuff, that's kind of happens. It's like a point of congregation. Like you guys all still have to go somewhere and hang out, you know, that's always going to be a thing. So I think, I think it still is relevant. For sure, yeah, I mean. Um, uh, so it's, it seems like, you know, in today's age, it's very common for people to be like super huge on SoundCloud or just in the internet ether, but like not doing anything, you know, in the physical world. And it seems 
that like it's easy for the young producers and creators to get stuck in that zone yeah what do yeah. you you know what could you recommend or like you know say to this generation for getting out there and like maybe like the first few steps to like actually being in that physical world yeah i mean i think again it's about being present because like you know like some stuff for example, there, I see I see when like bands get signed, right? Or some, you know, they like there's like all this internet hype around it. But you go to the show and there's like only 200 people there, you know, and there should be 500, and it happens, you know. So a lot of it is like you still have to cultivate stuff on a ground level, you know. Um, so the in, like the internet is a thing, but there also has to be some physicality to it as well, you know. So it's like because then you also gauge what it's about, you know. It's like I know that my music can't fill just me DJing. Like I usually can't fill more than a place that has 500 people in it that's what it is in Europe like and I'm okay with that so like it's I don't like it's just that thing it's like you just have to you know because it's about economics at that point in a way like it's like also the city like does, do the kids in the city have money to go see a show like how much is the show what else is happening that night and like the, how who will you you know reach or whatever so it's like um you know there, you could blow something up on the internet as much as you want but sometimes what happens on the ground level is a lot different. So it's like you you have to remember that like the physicality of something is still important. You still have to throw a show or play a show. You can't just put stuff up on the internet. I mean, you can, but it doesn't mean that it's going to have any relevance. You know what I mean? In the beginning of your career, did you ever have like a certain feeling of like fear of putting your stuff out? I oh, yeah. Really, yeah I still weird, do. Yeah, yeah. Weird intimidation thing where I'll like see kids my age or see people really cool style that are like already up here yeah i'm like afraid to put stuff out and like afraid to climb yeah same and what here's what i'll say with that so one thing that i see a lot with a lot of young producers is like it's like i will say it's like yeah as a as an artist there's always that's one thing that's helped me is like understanding the art of subtlety and understanding the art of self-restraint so like just when you make something give it some time to chill but also when you feel good about it also be ready to put it somewhere and don't like, and this is funny, this is like something my dad told me and I still think about it all the time. Like, there's always gonna be someone better, someone bigger, faster, anything better than you. And, you, that's, and that's fine. Yeah, you just have to be okay with that because again, it's like the same idea, like using your skill for what it is. Like, you know, like if you're in a class, let's say, you're, like I was saying, like a life drawing class, right? Like if you can't draw the chair the way it looks and you get a lower grade, doesn't mean that you're not a good artist. It just means that you can't do that, and that's fine. You find your other strengths. You know what I mean? So, like, I would say, don't get discouraged by 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 like by like the number of downloads or the number of hits. You know, because it's really funny. Like, sometimes a lot of it to good music, at least, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, because dude, it's funny how it works with like social media stuff and like even you know how they sponsor people. It's like, oh, this person needs to have X amount of hits before we even talk to them. It's like, all right, cool. Maybe that's not even that, maybe that's not somewhere where you want to be then. You know what I mean? Because what I've realized is like when you build something, it's have it's better to have it be to a specific audience that actually likes what you're doing versus that it, it's everywhere. Because you know the the wider it is, it's like wider the wider the reach, the wider the taste. The wider the taste, the more mild it is. Why is that? It's because you're hitting more people, and that means that like you know what they might not like weird music, and that's okay, and they don't have to. But you know these people do, so that's where you focus. You know what I mean? So it's like knowing what like your audience is and what you're doing is important because again, it's about having the point of view and reaching where you need to reach. Like, um, you know, and that'll always happen. But you know, like like let's say you you look at someone that has all these downloads and then like if they don't keep it up, you know what happens? People forget. 
people forget really quickly now. So again, that's what I'm saying about being being consistent is important because especially in this day and age, like dude, people, it, things are in and out. And you see with everything, movies, like fashion, culture, like things are cycling so much faster. Um, there used to be this concept of cycle 30 that was about like how music, like fashion, art cycles every 30 years. I think that, that time frame's gotten a lot shorter. And, and you see it now, things are just getting more mishmash and things are getting forgotten a lot quicker. So if anything I'll say is just like, you don't necessarily be afraid of that because it, it, it doesn't matter in a way. So it's just like find your space and just work within it, you know, and then put it out there when you need to. I think confidence too is a big part of this, right? Like understanding that, like you said, you might not be the biggest, the best, the fastest, but saying, you know what, this track is done. Yeah, it's it's one of the hardest concepts to get around. I mean, because the thing is, like, you know, especially nowadays, what I see with a lot of my younger friends is like they're not really, like, they're socially active on the phone. You talk to them in person, and like, dude, there's like you get nothing, man. So so it's like it's hard, like it's hard to get kids to like speak up and you know just have interactions. So so like I think you know it just. You have to just realize what, what it is that you have and, and then just go from there, you know? So. Anything else, my friends? Yeah. And just a comment. I really appreciate your advice for Charlotte and just all of us because, you know, it's, it's really easy to compare yourself to everything else. And yeah, and it's hard. I mean, I, I, mean I, I still do it. Like, you know, it's like, I, I, it's like you just have to try to, like, be somewhat confident and, and it's it's like it, to be honest it is the hardest thing to deal with you know like you know for example like and it plays into so many factors like you know people start to, you know it's like your photos what's your image what's your appearance like it's like working within you know again this is why having a point of view is good sometimes because you can you can you can kind of add detractors to what it is like if you just want to have like pictures of I don't know whatever it is like plants and your whole jam is plants and your music's based on plants and that's what the jam is okay cool but at least it has a point of view you know and whatever but so like you know because the thing is like you know you like I think slowly what's happened a lot is like you know because I don't know it's a weird thing like because of social media and all, how things are with people like socially right now it's like people are afraid to take chances and we're always so like worried about like oh you know um we don't want to give them a bad grade. We need to, no, it's like you need like you need to have bad experiences to learn from, right? So like when you put something out there, if you get a bad comment on it, it's okay. It might suck, and I believe me, I've had it happen too. But at the same time, you learn from it, and then you keep going. And the thing is, is not to get discouraged because that's always going to happen. Like bad stuff will always happen. It's a matter of how you react to it from there to move on. And it, then that's everything. I would say like that happens with everything in life. So especially with music, it's like if you you know you put something out, you get a bad review. You got a bad review. Maybe it's not as good as you thought. You work from there and keep going, because that that will be the defining moment of like, okay, yeah, you got past that, you know. So, and then what happens with a lot of kids that like they're like one-hit wonders, like they have that one thing, but then they can't get past that. Again, you got to work through it, you know, and like it's up to them to make it or not, you know. So again, that's what I'm saying about the persistence thing. It's like you have to work through things when they're when you have a problem, you know, and that's you know it's kind of it. Guys, I think that's a great time to end. Up. We give them a while. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for listening to this special summer workshop episode of the YPG podcast. We'll have a few more of these with the amazing guests we're having by the workshops this summer. Thanks to YPG alum Juan Lopez for the theme music. To learn more about YPG, 
please visit youngproducersgroup.com or reach out to us by emailing contact at youngproducersgroup.com. Thanks again for listening. I hope you take what you heard and use it to make the music you love.